Well, today we're starting a brand new series. It's called A Way Out. You know, usually the topic of temptation is kind of just spread out, interspersed through all kinds of messages. But I want to talk about it for an entire four-week series. <laughs> There's that much to talk about it, believe it or not. You'll see. We're going to build each week on top of the, the one before. And I really believe that when we get to the end of this series, there will be some significant differences in us. I believe that with all my heart. We will be free from things that have kept us trapped for years. We're going to discover that our God is faithful. He's absolutely faithful. And no matter where you're trapped, it could be something you've never told anybody about. It could be something that everybody knows about and it's just annoying you. But God always gives us a way out. There was a time in my own life when I really came face to face with an addiction. A lot of people wouldn't call it an addiction. I do. See, I was in the music industry, as most of you know, and I was into just about everything that goes along with that lifestyle. Miraculously, and, and I mean miraculously, I never had an addiction to drugs or alcohol. Okay, I, it's not that I didn't try. It's not that I didn't dabble. But for some reason, God just protected me from the usual path that people go down in that. However, there was another area in the rock and roll business that had its grip on me with an absolute death hold. It was sexual addiction. Girls. That was a part of the rock and roll world, and I liked girls. Okay? It's not that I was any Mr. Romeo or not, anything like that, but, but that was just part of the thing I was hooked on. I had my share of heartbreaks. I gave plenty of girls broken hearts. You see, I didn't want to be lonely. That's what it was all about. So I just went from one relationship to another as I traveled around playing music. I didn't know what the problem was, but... I really had a warped idea of what a healthy romance was. Even though I didn't want to keep bouncing from one affair to another, I unknowingly kept strengthening this addiction with the wrong idea of a loving relationship. After years of this, I finally realized I had a problem. And then I became a Christ follower. Those two things didn't go hand in hand very easily. I figured that not only did I have the problem, I needed to do something about this. So uh, then I had a new problem. I was too embarrassed to tell anybody about it. I was a Christian now. Couldn't do this stuff. I'd fight it off the best I could. With about a 50% success rate, or maybe less, probably way less. I'm going to come back to that in a minute, but there are people, and I would venture to say everybody on one level or another has something in their life that is consistently there that shouldn't be there. I don't know what this would be for you. For some people, alcohol is a problem. Maybe you're the type that can have a drink or two and there's no problem there, but there are those who drink every single day. 
It's a substance abuse problem. It could be that you're smoking something you don't want to be smoking. Maybe you're shooting something you don't want to be shooting. You're popping a pill you don't want to pop. For someone else, it could be you just lie for no reason at all. You don't even know why you just told a lie. You tell a lie to cover up the lie that was there before. And you really can't distinguish what the truth is after a while. Because you lie all the time. For some people, it's eating issues. You just eat and eat and eat and eat and eat. Sometimes it's grossly overeating. Sometimes it's as simple as a sugar addiction. You just can't stay away. You eat things you shouldn't eat. You don't have to look very far to find someone with a pornography addiction. All over the world this happens. People are looking at something that they shouldn't be looking at. You're acting it out or some of you are moments away from acting it out because you're visualizing things you should never see. For some, it's spending. You're in debt, massive debt. No matter what, you just keep buying more and more. You think I should stop, but you can't stop. Others have a gambling problem. You drive to the casino or you just go online. You think, you know, I got this one handled. I'm okay. And then you lose something and you lose more and you lose more. All of a sudden you say, I can't seem to get out of this. So you try to gamble again to get out of it and you're in more trouble. As innocent as it seems, for some of you, it's your phone and social media. You can't even have a conversation with somebody without having this thing up in your face all the time. You don't even realize that you're being robbed of intimate relationships because you're doing this all the time. Got that thumb going. I don't know what it would be for you, but I think we could all say that every one of us has something there that we don't want to be there. So I want to let God's word speak directly to this. And, and we're going to use a text all four weeks, the same text. Back in the first century, the Apostle Paul said this in a letter to the church in Corinth. It goes like this. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And here's the good part. And God is is faithful. How is he faithful? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can endure it. How is God faithful? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. When you're tempted, and we all will be, every one of us, but when you are what will God do? He will provide a way out so you can endure it. What I hope you'll understand is that every single time you're tempted to do something that would be harmful to you or harmful to somebody else or hurt the heart of God, he will always give you a way out. Now let me tell you where we're going in this series. Today's going to be very simple. I'm just going to build a foundation to build upon. Next week, we're going to look at resisting. We're going to find through Scripture how we can do our part to put up this impenetrable wall against the attacks of the enemy. We're going to ask ourselves, why in the world would we want to resist a temptation tomorrow that we can eliminate today? 
In week three, we're going to see the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to overcome things that we think we can't overcome. Week four, we're going to look at what you feed grows, what you starve dies. We're going to look at things that every follower of Jesus needs to do to feed our spirit, to become our spirits so they'll become greater than our flesh. He'll always give you a way out. I believe God is going to set some people free through this whole thing. I really believe he's going to set some people free. I mean, are you looking forward to this? You want to be set free? We all have the junk, right? We're going to be transformed by the power of God's spirit, by his word. So what is temptation? There are many different definitions, examples of it, but we're going to go with this one. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. Temptation is anything that promises satisfaction. You know, you're going to like this. You're going to feel good. It's going to make you look better. It promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. What happens, scientists actually tell us, is that when you give in to a temptation, oftentimes our brain releases a little chemical called dopamine. Dopamine. If you're as old as I am, you remember what we used to call drugs. It was dope. Let's go buy some dope. If you weren't very intelligent, you were called a dope. Okay? Now here's this little chemical called dopamine. It gives you a hit. Gives you a little buzz. Gives you a thrill. You want it, you make the purchase. You want to look at it, you look. You want to say it because it's going to feel good to say it, so you say it. Your brain rewards you for a little while with some dopamine. There's a thrill. There's a buzz there. But it's always followed by the, I shouldn't have done that. I feel bad about that. Guilt, regret, shame, all starts piling up. Many of you know that cycle. Many of you know that how it goes. I want it. I do it. I shouldn't have done it. So the definition of temptation is anything that promises satisfaction. You're going to like this. You need this. You feel good. It's going to be great at the cost of obedience to God. As we build that foundation, today it's necessary uh, to, to look at four truths. Four truths about temptation. Number one, it is not a sin to be tempted. It is not a sin to be tempted. Here's a really cool uh, Bible uh, passage. Listen to this. Jesus understands every weakness of ours because he was tempted in every way that we are. But watch this. He did not sin. If Jesus never sinned but was tempted, then being tempted is not the same as sinning. You see that? You have to understand this because our spiritual enemy will use this thing called false guilt to make us feel guilty when we shouldn't feel guilty. For example, eating donuts is not a sin unless you eat as many as I do. 
Okay. Eating donuts is not a sin. If you're trying to lose weight, you're, you're learning to eat healthy, and, and you feel like it would be wrong to eat donuts, okay? If that's where you are, and you walk into the office one morning, and there's a dozen chocolate frosted donuts sitting right there. They start to walk by, and they're calling your name. Eat me. Eat me. Don't you realize who I am? I'm chocolate. Now, if you think, I really want one, I really want one, but you make it past, you did not sin. You were tempted, but you didn't sin. If you stop and pick one up to smell it, are you sinning? I don't know. That's getting a little technical, isn't it? Maybe if you lick the chocolate off and put it back in, okay, that's going a little bit too far. But if you make it past the donuts, you did not sin. If you're driving down the street and you notice an attractive person, but you keep driving, you did not sin. Girls, if you're driving along and you see the guy jogging with no shirt, or girls, uh, guys, you see the, the girl with the short skirt walking her puppy. Now, what happens if you turn around and say, you know, maybe I better make sure they get across the street okay. All right, that's pushing it a little bit. But if you just keep on driving, it's not the same as sinning, right? What our spiritual enemy wants us to do is feel guilty. Because then we feel guilty, and what do we typically do? We medicate our guilt with that sin. Well, I already feel terrible. I might as well go all the way. I've counseled guys who wanted to stop looking at pornography. And they would go through all kinds of guilt because they had thoughts of ordering a, a porn show on the cable TV. They would apologize to me for coming too close. And I'd say, wait a minute, you, you wanted to do that, but you didn't do that right? And I'd say, well, you got to be kidding me. You're acting like this is a defeat. I'd say you resisted and won. <laughs> Don't let false guilt bring something on you that shouldn't be there. So that's the first truth about temptation. It is not a sin to be tempted. Jesus was tempted. Number two, you are never above temptation. Never, ever, ever. I don't care who you are. You're not above it. Remember what it says. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If you're thinking, I am so glad so-and-so is going to hear this. I don't need it, but I'm glad I brought somebody with me who needs this. Be careful anytime you think, that's not me. I'd never do that. Understand this. Our spiritual enemy will come at us at our weaknesses, and he will come at us at our strengths. How often do you see a great family guy, just loves his family, end up doing something stupid. What happened? I don't know, but it could be that he was overconfident in his strengths. Whenever you see a doctor, he understands medicine, really cares about health, and he's getting hooked on prescription medicine. What happened? He or she overestimated their strengths. Satan will come at you at your weaknesses, and he'll come at your strengths too. Never ever, ever think 
you're above it. So often there are people that think, I would never do that. And they're the very people who fall the hardest and the fastest. We've got to guard against self-confidence. Listen to what the Bible says about our heart, our own heart. It says that it is deceitful above all things. We can't even trust ourselves. We never know when we're going to be vulnerable. We have no idea what we're capable of. Any single one of us is capable of the grossest sin as long as the right environment is there. We're not above temptation. I have preached many times on some bad character trait. And while basking in the glory of how great my message was, I do the same thing I talked about. Completely blow it. Right after preaching on pride or anger or backbiting or gossip, I was vulnerable to that very same sin. You and I are not above temptation. Truth number one, it is not a sin to be tempted. Truth number two, we are not above. Nobody's above temptation. Number three, God will never tempt you. God will never tempt you. If you ever think you're being tempted, that's not God. He'll test your faith, but he won't tempt you. There's a difference. Why do you test someone? You're a junior in high school and you're given your big final test. Why do we test you? To promote you. We test you to move, your, move you forward. Craig Rochelle says this, God tests you to move you forward. Satan tempts you to move you backwards. And there's a big difference there. God is not going to tempt you with a sin. Here, come do this. This doesn't sound like God, does it? It sounds like somebody else. He's not going to tempt you that way. But God may test you. When you are being tempted, God will be looking to see if you're obedient to him. How you're going to do in that test. Are you going to be faithful to him? That's a test, not a temptation. In fact, James says it this way. Remember, when you are being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. He doesn't take a bad thing and, oh, do this. He's not tempted to do wrong. He never tempts anyone else. Where does temptation come from then? Well, guess what? It comes from our own desires. It comes from right here. And you say, oh, but deep down, I'm really a good person. Well, technically speaking, no, you're not. We are all sinners, you and I, sinful people. We are bent away from God, not toward God. That's our natural way to go, away from God. You know, you never have to, to uh, teach a two-year-old selfish lessons, do you? You know, okay, we're going to have a little lesson today, all right? Uh, I'm going to try to take your toy away, and then you yell, mine. We don't have to do that. It comes natural because we are not, by nature, good people. Temptation, it says in the Bible, comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. It starts with a desire, and then it's born into sinful action. And then watch this. 
And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Birth to death. Sounds pretty dramatic, doesn't it? But sin never makes life better. It always destroys. It promises satisfaction, but it costs obedience to God. This is going to be fun. This is going to spice up my life. It's, it's going to help me relax. This is going to make me feel better. It's going to make me feel more special. The hit, the buzz comes for a moment, and then it starts to unravel. You see, we're in a generation of people given to this. This is just the way I am. This is just my one thing. I can't overcome it. I've tried, and I can't overcome it. God made me this way. This is my one thing. Certainly God understands. Well, Christ calls us to follow him. Not by our own power. I've tried to change it. I can't. Well, it's not by our own power. He calls us into righteousness. God will never tempt you. Martin Luther, the father of the Great Reformation, this guy was huge as a theologian. He said, to be a theologian, you need three things. Now, I want to translate that into our culture. Today, we'd say, or he would say, to be close to God, you need three things. You need prayer, meditation, and temptation. What's that? You need temptation. To be close to God, you need prayer. That's talking to God. You need meditation. That's listening to God, hearing from God. And you need temptation. That's learning to depend on God. You want to get really close to God? Well, he uses everything. God takes what the devil meant for evil and he uses it for good. All right, here's a powerful saying. It's not mine. I'm quoting Craig Rochelle again. But write this down. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. Every temptation. Whenever you're tempta- tempted, God is faithful. He will always give you a way out. Every time you're tempted to do whatever is disobedient to God, that's an invitation for you to to depend on Christ, to get close to him. Because in your own fleshly nature, you don't always have the ability to say no to temptation. We end up doing the wrong thing. We do the stupid thing. We do the hurtful thing. Why? Because we don't really believe what Martin Luther said is correct. He says prayer, talking to God, makes us closer to God. Meditation, hearing from God, it makes us closer to God. And temptation, learning to depend on God, gets us closer to God. Because every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. God will test us. He wants to see if we're obedient, but he never tempts us. Satan tempts us through our own fleshly desires and our own evil desires and we all have them if you think you don't you're way more vulnerable than the person who says they do truth number one it is not a sin to be tempted truth number two you are never above temptation 
Truth number three, God will never tempt us. Number four, there is always a way out. No matter what, there's always a way out. That's the entire title of our entire series. There's a way out. No matter what you're facing, no matter what gross sin is holding you hostage, no matter what small, annoying little thing that everybody knows about has you in its grips, there's always a way out. Remember, our God is what? Our God is faithful. He'll never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, what will our God do? He will provide a way out so you can endure it. Now, what would your way out be? I don't know. I don't know. But I'm here to tell you that God has a way out for you. You know, it could be that you just need to confess it. Proverbs says, anyone who hides their sins doesn't succeed. But anyone who admits their sins and gives them up finds mercy. Man, I want mercy. I want mercy. I want to succeed in the area of God's mercy. Now, here's an interesting little thing here. We confess to God for forgiveness, right? We confess to God for forgiveness. It says, if we confess our sins, he will forgive our sins. He will forgive every wrong thing we have done. He will make us pure. All right, so we confess to God for forgiveness. We confess to people for healing. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so God can heal you. That's cool. We got it covered. We got it covered. That's one reason that we believe connecting is so important, so powerful, because we're not battling this temptation thing all by ourselves. We're in a community with other people praying for each other. Maybe in, in your group, in your ministry team, you'll take a big risk and say, you know what, I've never told anybody this before. I need help, and I want to be changed. I want to be out of this. I, want, I don't want to get stuck anymore in this. For some of you, it's going to be th therapy or rehab. It's deep. And, and you've tried and tried and you're not getting there on your own. You need some deep healing. You need some detox, some distance, some time. For some of you, it's accountability. You really need somebody to get in your face and kick your butt. In love, of course. Maybe that's what you need. For some of you, it's true repentance, not remorse. Remorse is, oh, I'm sorry, I got caught. Repentance is, God, I'm sorry, I need your help. I need to turn away from this. I need your grace. Whatever it is, there is always a way out. God is faithful. Who remembers that? Old video game, Asteroids. All the old people raise their hands. I mean, it's almost embarrassing how bad this thing was. This is the best picture I could find on the internet of this thing. I mean, the graphics are something to be desired, right? <laughs> so you have these shapes, 
they come toward you and you shoot the little shapes. And you can thrust, hit the thrust button and go this way or that way. But uh, sometimes if there was like two asteroids coming at you, you remember this? There was the button in the middle. Who remembers it? It's called hyper, what is it, hyper? I'm the only one that remembers this game. <laughs> Hyperspace. Remember that? Your, your little spaceship would disappear and show up somewhere else. It was really cool, really cool how that worked. You hit the button, and there you go. Well, in asteroids, we had hyperspace. In the kingdom of God, you know this is coming, we have hyper grace. Hyper grace. Hit the button. The chocolate donuts are in the office. Hit the button and walk by. You're looking at that great-looking jogger. Hit the hyper grace button and drive by. Your boyfriend is pushing you into the back seat. Hit the button. Hit the button twice. If you haven't hit it three times, hit him. <laughs> you hit the button, you get out of there. There's always a way out. Our God is that good. He always gives you a way out. When my addiction that I was talking about earlier had me gripped and I couldn't overcome it, do you know that that was one of the major things that just drove me to Jesus? I got so close to Jesus during that time. And I'd say things like, Jesus, I've seen you do miracles in other people's lives. Do one for me. I need to be changed. I need to be made new. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. Remember earlier I said that I fought off my temptation with about a 50% success rate or less. I did that for about two years, but I was depending too much on my own strength. And then I was tempted by another girl that I should have never gotten involved with, and what a mess, what a mess. I'm a Christian, and I knew I slipped, I slipped in a big way. I got to tell you, I hated myself. I hated myself. I looked in the mirror and wanted to spit in my face. Every temptation is an invitation to depend on Christ. If you fall, this is what I found out, he'll pick you up again and give you a way out again. This time, for some reason, he gave me the strength to get really serious. And I just kind of drew a line in the sand. And I said, you know what? I really recognize that I am no good. I'm just no good. I cannot overcome this myself. I'm always vulnerable to that and other things. And I always need Jesus to help me out. That was the last time. That was the last time. And one year later, I met Terry. Now, it wasn't because I had the strength. It was because of this. Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. Here's what you need to hear. Christ in you, not you in you, Christ in you is stronger than the desires in you. Remember, temptation 
is anything that promises satisfaction at the cost of obedience to God. We are vulnerable to give in, and we need God's help. Every time you're tempted, God is inviting you to trust in Jesus, who will set you free. Because the good news is, our God is what? Faithful. When you're tempted, he will always give you a way out. The way out is through his son, Jesus Christ. By his grace, we can be set free. So I want to spend a couple of minutes praying here. I'm going to pray and you guys just bow your head and listen and pray along with me. But let's pray together. Father, I pray today that your Holy Spirit would start to work to do what only you can do. Let our hearts be open to the work that you want to do in our lives. Keep your heads bowed. There are some of you who have massive dark secrets. Other people don't know. Your spouse may not know. Nobody may know. Some of you have family secrets. You're covering for somebody. You've kept it well guarded. For some of you, it's something everybody knows and they've been trying to tell you. Some of you, it's not really huge or gross, but it really is a sin and you just don't want it around anymore. For others, you've given up to the lie that says, this is just the way I am. God brought you here today to tell you that he loves you and he is faithful. He's always giving you a way out. If there's something that is dominating you and you need help and you want to take it before Jesus and you want his power, you want that power of him to be stronger than your wrong desires, just be honest with him. God, that's what we're praying to you now. Heavenly Father, we're, we're just going to be real. We know that we're only as strong as we are honest. So we come before you. We ask you for your help. Head still bowed. Do you feel guilty when you do something wrong? Why? Because God put a conscience in you, drawing you to need something more. Don't live in the guilt. Come to Jesus as you are. When you call on him, you know what he does? He hears your prayers. He forgives your sins. He separates them as far as the east is from the west. And you become new. So I want to ask that we could all do something now and pray together. Let's pray this together. I want you to just repeat after me a line at a time. You may have prayed something like this before. But let's all pray it for the sake of those praying it for the first time. Heavenly Father... Go ahead, pray that out. Heavenly Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know I have messed up. And I need a forgiver. I know you came to earth to die on a cross for my sins. You were sinless but you died for all the sins of the world. You also rose from the dead. That's proof 
of you being who you said you were. And now you sit in heaven asking me to come to you. So, God, I ask you to be the leader of my life. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord and Savior. And I'll live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that for the very first time, happy birthday. This is your spiritual birthday. Remember this day. What is it, October 11th? That's the day you said yes to Jesus. Let him, by the power of his Holy Spirit, help you with temptation because God always gives us a way out. Amen? Amen.